afternoon and happy Friday. I'm Rob Port, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Nathiel, how's Friday going for you? Pretty good. I'm glad it's Friday. I'm always looking forward to the weekend. We uh, we got a busy show. Gary Amaneth is going to be on. Gary got himself a little hot water. I don't know if you heard about this. We talked about it a little bit on the morning show today. I'm glad that he's going to be on with you to, to talk about things. Yeah. He, um, well, I mean, his his posts are, are the, the posts were just not good. Um, not uncommon fair, you know. I mean, I, I think both the right and the left post a lot of memes and, and stuff on Facebook and Twitter that are stupid and hateful and ugly. Uh, the problem is, is Gary Amanith wants to run for the United States Senate. Um, I've seen some people out there trying to defend these posts. I, I really don't know how they're defensible. I mean, one was, you know, we don't want to build mosques in, in the United States, I guess. Opposition to building mosques in the United States. I don't know how anybody who claims to support religious freedom, as as I know Gary does, uh, could take that seriously. Uh, another one compared food stamps recipients to animals. Um which I think is unfair. It's one thing to be critical of food stamps policy. It's another thing to demean people who might be in need of a government safety net. Uh, so it's just a lot of stuff like that. So we'll have Gary on. He can explain himself. Um, he also, th- there was one where he, he did a post where he described President Barack Obama as a POS. Did you see his, his he, he tried to explain that, Natil? I didn't see the explanation, but as I was wrapping up a project that I was working on in my office and coming down to the studio, I heard uh, Mike McFeely going on a rather amusing POS bit. Yeah. You, 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 well, those of us who work in the re- retail industry know it stands for point of sale. Oh, well, but you, he, <laughs> Mike McFeely pointed out that you were a POS as you were a purveyor of stands. Stances, purveyor of stances. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, th- well I think like I a- think Gary tried to say Gary tried to say he was trying to write POTUS. Oh, P O T U S, but he missed the T and the U. Yes, I, I find it hard to believe that Gary Eminence doesn't know what POS stands for because he tried to say that he doesn't know what it stands for, and I'm I'm sure that our audience knows what it stands for. Uh, I can't obviously say it on 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 air. Uh, but you know what it stands for, and Gary knows what it stands for. Gary saying that he doesn't know what it stands for sounds about as dumb as Mike McFeely and the rest of the people pretending they don't know a high-five when they see one. Uh, when Senator Heitkamp's down on the Senate floor high-fiving Chuck Schumer, give me a break. Um, that was a high-five. Gary Emmerich knows what POS means. Let's all stop kidding ourselves. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. What do you think of this stuff? And I was, I don't know. Republicans, I think, have to be start have to be feeling pretty depressed right now because there was a real opportunity to beat Heidi Heitkamp in 2018. I, I, I know Democrats like to pretend there wasn't. They like to pretend as though Democrat or Republican candidates aren't lining up um, because Heidi's just unbeatable. I mean, that's that's certainly the partisan talking point. She was beatable this cycle. Um, the problem is... You know, the candidates so far are uninspiring. Uh, you have Gary Amanith, who so far his ca- – I was I was kind of excited about Gary's campaign. I think rhetorically he could do a lot of interesting things against Heitkamp. Um, so far his campaign is not exactly, you know, impressing me uh, with its competence. 
and then you have Tom Campbell, who, let's face it, has, as I wrote this morning, has all the charisma of a damp rag. So I, I don't know. I mean, if you're a Republican, you're out there looking, you know, who's the big challenger? I am hearing that there may be another name out there. Uh, there may be another name thinking about coming in. I, I don't I don't know yet. I'm not really at liberty to talk about it, but there may still yet be another Republican get in the race. But as it stands right now, I mean, Republicans got to get their stuff together. If they want to beat Heidi Heitkamp. You're going to have to get it together. I think Heidi's done a lot of things. I, 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 in fact, I, I think Heidi is, is even feeling a little bit overconfident. I think that's why she's been moving. She's been voting a little bit further to the left than she normally would in an election year. I think that 20-week abortion ban, I think if Heidi felt the heat a little bit more, her vote maybe goes the other way. The tax reform bill, I think if she's feeling the heat a little more, maybe that vote goes the other way. So far, she's not feeling the heat, and I'm looking at the challengers. I kind of don't blame her. Kind of don't blame her. But what did you think of Gary Emna's Facebook? I have a lot of people telling me they don't care about his Facebook posts, that they didn't see anything there that they didn't like. They didn't see anything there that's going to change their mind about Gary Emmeneth. But I'd love to hear what you think. And you'll have a chance to ask Gary about it here coming up at 1230. He's going to be on with us. Uh, also, by the way, coming up at, at 1 o'clock, uh, Cassie Smed, uh, Smeldy is going to be on. Uh, she is a GOP spokeswoman. Uh, we'll get the latest. Uh, you know, the Republicans just uh, finished a, uh, a budget deal. Two years, not everybody's real happy about that. It does increase spending quite a bit, but it gets it. We're, we're back on the regular order, so I guess there's something to be said about that. We'll do the rundown also at 1.30. But right now, Gary Emmeneth and his social media postings, what do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. And, and listen, I, I'm not defending the media, the, 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 the postings at all. I think they're worthy of criticism. Uh, I, obviously, there's going to be some pearl clutching going on because everybody sort of knows that's just what everybody sort of does. It's it's people pretend to be more outraged than they really are when it's a politician that they don't like. So there's some of that going on. But do you really think that this will impact Gary's chances in the election? Now I, I think that's an interesting question, Atil, because at face value, that I mean the posts are pretty bad, right? I mean they're not they're not good. No, they're they're really not. And it's it's actually frustrating to me that I don't think that this is going to have any impact on him yeah. come election time. That's I, frustrating not, to me because I, these I, these posts are are pretty despicable. They're wrong, well, and I don't well, be, I don't want yeah. someone like that representing me in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is being a decent being a decent person is not necessarily a prerequisite to holding elected office. I mean, um, Gary Gary in in defense of himself you know, sort of was took a defiant attitude, said, bring it on, invoke Donald Trump. It's probably smart. I think Donald Trump's done and said things that are far more inflammatory than anything Gary Eminence put on Facebook or Twitter, uh, and he got almost 63% of the vote in North Dakota. So, you know, there's that. I mean, Heidi Heitkamp ran a, a campaign in 2012 where she accused her opponent, Rick Berg, of, of attacking women. I mean, her surrogates were out there, you know, trying to paint Rick Berg as somebody who doesn't care if women get raped, doesn't care if women are out on the street, doesn't care about women's health care, if they get cancer or anything else. Heidi Heitkamp did that. And now she, she sort of held up as this paragon of moderate politics, and she didn't. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just come to the point where we all just expect our politicians, Republican or Democrat, to be just sort of 
not very nice people? Like, I, I mean, have we just become a nerd to this where we just expect it? But I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I, I don't think people should behave this way. Uh, and it makes me want to vote for them less. And I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let partisanship or ideology or anything else trump that. I, I would rather my, and maybe this is Pollyannish of me, but I would rather my elected officials not write this sort of stuff on social media. Not the least of which, because some of this stuff has actual policy implications. I mean, some of this stuff is is real. Like, like, let's not build mosques in the United States. Well, that's that's a First Amendment issue. Does he really? Does Gary Emmett really feel that way? I don't think he does. But that's what he wrote on Facebook, and I, I guess that's what he'll have to explain coming up here at twelve thirty. Uh, caller, Karen, you're on. What's up? Yes, I would like you to ask Gary the question. Why does he think he would be a better candidate for uh, House of Representatives, no, Senate, I'm sorry, than Tom Campbell? All right. Yeah. I've actually asked him that question before. Thanks for the call, Karen. I've actually asked him that question before. Um, you know, basically said he's, he's, more, he's more conservative than Tom uh, and, and basically said he'd be more aggressive than Tom. Uh, I do think both of those things are true, um, whether or not. You know, I mean, uh, the problem is, is if, if Gary can't get his message out because he's being plagued by nonsense like this, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, somebody who's going to run for elected office, I mean, you should know better than to put this stuff on social media. Also, it's disturbing. I mean, does Gary actually believe this stuff? Does he really believe we shouldn't be building mosques in the United States? Does he really believe that food stamps recipients deserve to be compared to animals? I'm guessing there's a lot of Republicans that probably at one point in their life maybe leaned on a social uh, safety net program or two. So it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a negative thing to lean on those safety nets when you need them. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be stigmatized. It shouldn't be something that is so thought of so negatively. They're there for a reason. And people that use them properly shouldn't have to feel crummy because they had to use a safety net for a couple of for I, over long I, I, I am i am extremely fiscally conservative and i see the value for safety net programs in, in our in our nation now until you and i could probably have a debate about how expansive they should be uh you know i mean we could have a debate about the the scope of the policy but i believe they should exist and i don't think i mean listen sometimes people just run into hard luck right that happens. The world could be a cruel, cruel place. Um, and that's why so those safety net programs exist. Is that so Hopefully, you know, people will hit them for a while, bounce back up off them, uh, and get on with their lives and be productive members of society. That's the, uh, point, that's the point of having them, is, to, is right. to help people get that springboard so that they can get past that hard time and so go I, back to yeah. being productive members of our society. So it's a lot of overheated social media stuff. We'll see what Gary has to say about it. Emailer says, uh, Obama is a POS. Well, a great input, emailer. Uh, I don't think President Obama's a POS. I think President Obama seems like a nice guy, uh, seems like a good dad, nice husband. Uh, seems like a dude I would have fun uh, maybe sitting down having a beer with sometimes. Uh, I think he was a terrible president. I think he's got – he had a terrible uh, – political uh, agenda for our country i disagree with him philosophically on a lot of things uh, but to call him a pos i i is, is not only i i think 
untrue to begin with, but also unhelpful to the conservative cause. I don't think name calling helps anything. It's juvenile. Maybe maybe it's it. There's a certain visceral satisfaction if you're really upset with somebody there's a certain visceral satisfaction you could get out of being profane towards them out of calling them names but in terms of advancing the conservative cause in terms of, of defeating their arguments and advancing your your agenda it, it it hurts more than it helps don't do it gary shouldn't have done it 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com don't go away we'll be right back Welcome back, Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. So the government was shut down last night, Natil. Uh for about midnight. Like the briefest shutdown ever. From like midnight to like 5 a.m. or something like that. Um or, or maybe it's until President Trump signs the bill. I don't know how it all works, but yeah, it was a short shutdown. Um I'm glad that they got a bill. I do think it's interesting. I mean, what's going on? I mean, we're we're cutting taxes and we're increasing spending. And I, I know I know what Republicans say about the tax cuts stimulating the economy and producing more revenue. I, I think that's I think that's true. I don't I don't know that you can bank on the tax cuts necessarily paying for themselves. Um, but you know, in, in in the long run, I I do think that's true. But I think what's going on in Washington reflects. I mean, we talk a lot about how Washington's dysfunctional. Really, I I think it's, I think it's reflective of the fact that Americans want contradictory things. Natil, I I think I think Americans want lower taxes, uh, and they want lots and lots of government services, and these two things are not necessarily things that that can go along with each other. No, it doesn't quite work that way. The money's got to come from somewhere for those government services, and don't get me wrong. I really, I think that I'm very much going to appreciate the tax cuts as they begin to hit my paychecks. But at the same time, I very much want things like our public school systems to continue to be well-funded. And I want things like our roads to be well-paved. I want our bridges to be safe. I want the safety net programs that we have in place, like our Medicaid and other such programs to to be well funded. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem, though, if you want those things, and people always talk about, well, they work in, like, Norway. Well, Norway's a much smaller country than the United States of America. Uh, they're relatively racially homogenous, so they don't have a lot of the uh, obstacles. I, I don't want to call them obstacles, but, but challenges that come along with being a pretty open borders country like America and being a melting pot like America is. However you may feel about that, it brings challenges. Uh, Norway is also a petro state, by the way. They have a state-run oil company uh, that pumps a ton of revenue. Imagine what North Dakota was like during the oil boom, and then just imagine that being a permanent state of affairs. So, yeah, okay, well, it works in Norway. It works in Sweden. Well, a lot of those places are very different places than the United States. Um, you know, But, but here in America, I, I mean, I, I think that's the disconnect people have is – and I, I sometimes wonder if it's because of the way we're taxed where it's withheld from us, 
and then like we get like a refund at the end of the year and it's it's not real transparent how much we're actually paying as an individual in taxes i think a lot of times if you got like a monthly bill for your share of like the, the federal government right i mean can, can you imagine if like the state of north dakota sent you a monthly bill for what you paid for i don't know how i'd feel about that I feel like it'd be more transparent than at least you'd understand what you're paying for. It it would be more transparent, but there's so much there that is. that we are paying and for. In so many different ways. I mean, like your sales tax. Like every time you go out and buy a stick of gum, you know, there's a sale. I don't know. Is gum taxed? Food's not taxed. Is food's taxed? not taxed, but I don't think gum counts as food. Yeah. I hope not. You better not be eating your gum. That's not good for you. Uh yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there's there's all that, but it's I, I think what's going on in Washington. I, people blame Washington all the time. I really think it's a bottom up issue. I, I don't think it's the politicians. I I think I think the politicians are trying to ingratiate themselves to a public that wants fundamentally contradictory things. Um, I think that's what's going on. I think we're probably getting exactly the government we deserve. Uh, that's my cynical take. Uh, talking about Gary Emerson, Gary's going to be joining us in the next segment. He got in some hot water of some social media content. I, and I'm disappointed in Gary for having posted these things. Um, but we're going to be talking with him. I, I asked the audience, though, what do you think? Is this is this going to hurt Gary? You know, some of these, I mean, these postings I think are very inflammatory. They're not very flattering for Gary. Will they hurt him politically? Uh, got some Twitter responses. Dave says, I think they will. I'm a glass half full guy, though. So Dave hoping that they hurt Gary, I guess, hoping that that he's held accountable for that. I I don't know that I don't know that Dave's right in a state that voted almost 63% for Trump. If if they don't bother him with Trump, why would they bother him about Gary Eminent? I I don't know. Uh Brad responds says people don't care because policy is more important than the candidates as people. They're not so uncommon lesser of two evils. So I I guess that's saying I don't really care I guess, I guess that's the argument, like, I don't care that he's an a-hole, at least he's our a-hole, right? Is that, that's that argument? Doesn't that frustrate you, though? I mean, isn't, how, how frustrating is it that we've reached a point where we, we legitimately don't think that there are enough good people to elect to office that can make good policy, that we're willing to take someone who and i'm not saying that gary is but we're willing to take a jerk as long as they make the policies that we want it's a sorry state of affairs to be in i mean well i i mean here's here's the thing i understand it to a point right i mean there's lots of politicians that i don't like that i'll vote for I, i i guess it depends on the degree like i'm not voting for a dinner party guest right like i i i thought barack obama was a great guy i think he'd be a fun guy to hang around with he seems like a cool dude but i voted against him because I don't like his policies. So, you know, I, I, I don't I don't like like I'm, I don't feel like I'm voting for a dinner, dinner guest. I don't want to be friends with these people. I just want them to go and govern the way I want them to govern. Um, but that being said, I don't know. Saying that that like like retweeting memes that you don't want to build mosques in the United States. I mean, that that to me makes me want to ask you, do you really believe in the First Amendment? Do you believe in freedom of religion? Because I think Muslims have the same freedom of religion as everybody else. They should be able to build mosques the same as everybody else, right? I mean, when, when you refer flippantly to people, and, and granted it was an anti-Israeli protest, and I probably don't agree with the, the protest, but but Gary Evans posting on social media calls him a bunch of Arabs. Now, is that sort of flippant remark becoming of somebody who wants to sit in the United States Senate? 
a body which ratifies our treaties across the country, a body heavily involved in foreign policy? I don't know. Gary's on next. We can ask him. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. This is the Rob Report. Don't go away. Report 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Welcoming my guest, Gary Eminem, 701-293-9000. If you want to join in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. Gary, how's it going? Not good, Rob. How are you today? Uh, doing pretty good. You say not good? No, I said I'm doing real good. How are you today? Oh, you say you're doing real good. I misheard you. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. I wanted to, uh, well, first of all, tell me you know what a POS means. I read the article. You're saying you don't know what POS no, means no, when you're talking about Bob. You... Bob, I did not. I did not. You know what POS stands for in my world? But I'm point, of sur- business. Point, point of sale. Point of sale. It's a yeah, I work retail too. Come on, and, I, and Rob, that... Rob. I'm dead serious because I went back and looked at the blog that they posted, and if you read what I said, um, I was refer- I really meant to type POTUS, and it came out POS, so I'm not going to get lost on that. And when I first read what it was, I have to tell you, um, I was when I was reading the CNN article because people were texting me. So I looked at it, I go, no kidding, no wonder people are wound up. I wouldn't have said that. I, I okay, well, I, I don't know, Gary. I mean, I, you're starting to sound a little I'm bit serious. like Democrats who didn't. Who didn't you're starting to sound a little bit like Democrats who didn't know a high, uh, that that Heidi Heitkamp was high fiving Chuck Schumer. Like, oh, that's not a high five. We don't <laughs> high five when we say that's not a high five. Hey, Come on, I, Gary. I'm sorry. I would have not posted that he's a POS. I'm sorry. Even the Washington Post is turning on. What if the word said POTUS? That's what the intention was. But anyway, let's go on. What's your next subject? Well, I, you know, I, I guess, I guess, just these these postings. I mean, I uh, obviously are, are. I mean, for, first of all, has anything been reported about these postings so far that that you feel is inaccurate? Well, they're posts I made. I don't deny any of the posts I made. But you know, um, I wasn't state chairman of the party. I wasn't a candidate, and. Um, you know, I'm a guy that reads a lot of news articles in the morning and the evenings, and I retweet a lot of articles. And a lot of times I'll make kind of a smart remark or kind of a snide remark or a little sarcastic remark related to it. But sometimes I just want to make a point to put it out there for people to discuss it. So, um, you know, some of my little posts are typically three or four or five words, and I repost it, and, and um, it's out there. So, um, you know, I'm not denying I posted those, no. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. So, I mean, do, do you I, – I, I know that, that you're a very passionate Christian. I, I know that you believe in religious liberty. So, so that why, yeah, exactly. why, post, why post the meme about not building mosques in the United States? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, if you look at the context of some of these posts, I just retweeted it. I never made a comment on it, right? And so the bottom line is a lot of the radicalization that's turned on in the country and around the world has come out of these mosques. And so I just made a statement. I'm a Christian that believes we ought to propagate our Christian faith. So I see an article and I retweet, no more mosques in America, you know, and like and share. So I retweeted it. So, yeah, so what? Um, I believe in Christian, I believe in liberties, freedom, free speech, and um, Christian um, values is kind of my base. And so, yeah, I posted it. So no big deal. 
I'm not that stressed out over it. All right, uh, we got a caller, Lindsay. You're on with Gary Amrath. Go ahead, Lindsay. What's up? Hi. Um, I recently read an Associated Press report that stated that Tom Campbell has spent about seven hundred and fifty hundred thousand dollars of his own money on the campaign this far. I was just wondering, do you think he's trying to buy the Republican nomination, and um, do you think it'll work? Oh, go well, ahead, Gary. First, well, first of all, when you have someone who puts a lot of their own wealth in it, and you know it's God's, it's um, Tom's right to put his own capital in the campaign, and good for him that he's in the place to do it. Um, but I think my campaign is going to be about grassroots. I have really two jobs in my campaign. One is to raise money to be competitive, and two is to get the delegates to be good enough to support me throughout this um, convention that will be in April. So that's my number one and number two focus. And um, when you put a lot of your own money in, um, that's great, but it doesn't necessarily demonstrate. I think where I would say Tom has been saying that he's raised a million dollars, and Rob, you pointed out in your Say Anything blog, that he's really raised about 250 from people across the state in seven months. And and um, so he's not raised a million. He's raised two fifty, and he put seven fifty of his own money in. And Heidi, we're going we're going through her donors, and she's put raised a lot of money, ninety nine percent out of state, and that demonstrates who's supporting her. So we'll bring that to the issue as the campaign goes on. But thank you for the question. Certainly, thanks for the call, Lindsay. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. Now I, I don't I don't want to make it up that, that these these social media postings are going to be the be all and end all of the campaign. And I'm I'm not even I sure. Not. I hope. I not. mean, you. They well, going to be. They should. They should. They should hinge on more than this. That's for sure. But I. I do think we <laughs> do need so. to talk about them a little bit more. I, you invoked President Trump uh, when when you. I, I think in your response to this, and, and certainly North Dakotans, sixty two point nine percent of North Dakotans in the last election voted for Donald Trump. So, I. I mean, do, do you feel like maybe North Dakotans are just sort of a nerd to this sort of behavior? Well, no. Rob, part of when, well, I was a big supporter of Donald Trump, and I was, like I've said before, I'm, I was the first delegate to come out supporting Donald Trump. I was with him through the, all the way through the convention and through the general election. Number one reason why I supported Donald Trump was he was willing to take on political correctness. And we live in a world where anybody you know, says stuff to social media. There's a lot of stuff going on. People go get a lot of their source of their news. I mean, how many people go to your post, Rob, say anything blog? And and you post and people post a lot of things on there. A lot of them have names that they hide behind and they chatter about all of these things. When I post, I put my name to it, you know, and sometimes I say a few things I probably get a little carried away on and take a little energy behind it. But, but, you know, just as a conservative, um, I get frustrated by some of the things I've seen out there. And sure, um, I've posted some things that maybe get people wound up, but that's the way it goes. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Caller, Jay, you're up. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. I'm going to tell you why I believe this isn't a big deal at all. I think it makes good clickbait on articles. I think it makes a great topic for a radio show. But it distracts from the larger issue of beating Heidi Heitkamp. Yeah. Um, and the fact is, is we have a choice here between a man who can do something that, with all due respect, Tom Campbell can't do, and that's to go toe-to-toe with Heidi Heitkamp, a woman who just voted to keep funding, uh, or I should say a woman that just voted to continue allowing the abortion of 20-week-old babies. I have a cousin who saves babies at 22 weeks, and they live normal lives. We're talking about babies that can feel pain, and we're sitting here talking about a man 
who's made some tweets and posted some articles that really, what does it boil down to? You have a man who's pro-Israel, apparently, from what I can see. I am. A man, am. A man who tweet, or reposted uh, an article that it was a bunch of Arabs. You can, I mean, you can say it however you want, but it was a bunch of Arabs at the rally. Uh, it's factual. Uh, a man who posted a tweet regarding mosques, well, if you look at the tweet that he reposted, and the verbiage that's on that tweet talking about the Muslim view of building mosques as a term of conquer, and you can find support for that on the Internet, and then you look at other articles that show that there is yeah. radical Islam inside of mosques, is it not make sense that some Americans might have a problem or be at least hesitant well, with the I, idea of building Except for the more First mosques? Amendment, Jay. I'm not saying I mean, that that's well, hold on, hold on, Jay. in terms hold, hold on, Jay. I, of religious I don't, I, liberty, because Jay, I'm huge on. on religious liberty. I have had Muslim uh, hold friends, on, Jay. Okay, Jay's, Jay's filibustering. Let's cut Jay off. And Gary, I, I understand what, what Jay and, and your supporters are trying to say, but I think it's a legitimate question. You're running to sit in the United States Senate. We deserve to know what your views on the First Amendment is. Saying you don't want to build mosques is a very specific view on religious freedom. And, well, and Rob, to me, I, 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 I realize everybody wants to say, well, it's a nothing burger. It doesn't matter. But I think it matters. What is your view? Do you think Muslims should be allowed to build mosques in the United States? Absolutely. I believe they should have a right to do that. And I believe in free speech and I believe in all the religious liberties. You know, but as Christians, we've been under attack. And whether it's been with school prayer, whether it's Putting in God we trust. President Trump spoke at the National Day of Prayer. He was attacked mercilessly all over for some of the statements he made. You know, our money says in God we trust. And okay, so I, well, I, I'm frustrated. We've okay. been on the we've been on the defensive for so long. We seem to give. Um, um, okay, but but don't you don't you feel like like telling the past and Christians? And I'm going. Well, don't, you know, we're more you... of a Christian nation. So, but I but okay, I'm okay, but, but Gary, more mosques, well, so hold that's on. My well, position, okay, Rob. there you go. Well, do, well, but don't you feel like maybe maybe Muslims feel like they're under attack if people are posting on the internet that they shouldn't be allowed to build mosques? Well, Rob, um, if this is going to be the campaign theme we're going to have throughout this campaign, Heidi Heitkamp will be the next U.S. senator because the issue is. Well, I, well earlier, I, you're you're you're, you're really... skirting it though. You're you're skirting it. No, though. go to my I mean, it... go to my campaign Facebook page, and you can see I'm beginning to post positions on what I believe the Constitution stakes out claims in the Constitution okay. where there's been overreach by the federal government. But you know, but you can understand the, at why the why we... day I told you, Rob, I think they have rights. To build mosques okay. in America, and the fact that I reposted something, a tweet, I made no observation about it. I'm not going to get lost in this noise where this is all. Did I post? I, I realize yes, that you want to say that it's you're noise, Gary, because in the it's noise of of a campaign that's trumped okay. up by the by the high camp campaign. Gary, so I've, I've known I've known you for a long time, and I feel like if we were talking about a Democratic candidate, you would say that what probably matters more are the things the person said before they were a candidate as opposed to the campaign positions, which are obviously going to be calculated to appeal to the masses. So, Rob, let me, let's, so let's just shift gears for just a second, and let's look at the quote where CNN referred to me comparing humans to animals. Now, that's what they said in CNN, okay? Right. I got asked that question about the post on a radio talk show prior to it ever going live on CNN. It's organized by the High Camp campaign. This is the beginning of them attacking me. But the point of the post was about four strangers, park service people, talking about not feeding the animals because they become dependent on handouts and they'll never learn to take care of themselves. The point of it isn't about comparing humans to animals. It's about a welfare system that needs to be reformed. It's about the Democrats' policy that are 
wanting to be pushed by professional politicians that we have to be protected from ourselves and we got to provide for every need. They want they want people to be dependent upon the government. And that was the point of that post. So we can get wound up over a statement here or there. I have 3,000 posts. They pull 15 of them out that they think, gotcha. Well, guess what? I'm not going to go away because Heidi Heitkamp's wrong on most of these issues. And I'm going to take the fight to her on the issues that are relevant, the right to life issues, voting on this tax bill. You know, I had a young guy that called me yesterday. He read the article, didn't know who he was, asked if he could come over, came over. We sat down and talked about it. He talked about his, um, his friend, who is a wild Bernie Sanders person, and we're very mad at Donald Trump over the fact that Trump didn't forgive all the student loans. He said, you know what? I told my friend that wants everything from the government for free that I just got a pay raise. My paycheck went up 200 bucks, which is the amount of my student loans. And he said, I don't need the government to forgive my loans because I chose to go to school and borrow that money. So here we have it. We're, we're arguing about little nuances of an issue, and they're talking about humans versus animals, and they're missing the whole point of it. That's what CNN's about. That's what the High Camp campaign's about. And I'm not going to back down from that. Yeah, did I post some things that I would regret? Sure, that's why I took them down, Rob. I, wanna focus, right. I don't want to focus on the noise. I want to focus on the issues at hand. I, well, I do, too, and it, it's a long campaign left, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things. I want to sneak in John here before the break. Go ahead, John. Hey, well, I'll tell you, Gary's right on this, because I've used this terminology before about the animals in the zoo when it comes to the welfare system in this country. Rob, you know, you have to remember a lot of people around here. I grew, I grew up the south side of Chicago. I've been a truck driver most of my life. I've actually been out and seen the world outside of the Fargo-Moorhead area. When you go down into the inner cities areas of Boston— when you go into the areas of Washington, D.C., where the poverty is, when you go into the areas of Chicago, Detroit, you know, the list goes on and on. And you look and you see generations, not just one person who's using the system to get ahead, you know, and get back on their feet, but are just relying on subsidized housing, heating assistance, year in, year out, because there's no damn jobs. And yet this country will drag every immigrant from every third world okay. asshole there is under the, under the sun in here and then give them stuff to get them started. Why are we not doing more to take care of our own people? I mean, Gary's right on okay. this. This is okay. one of okay. the okay. things well, that, well, hold on. Well, hold on. Let me, let me, we're, we're, we're running low on time, John. Well, let, me, well, let, me, let me just make this point then, though. I don't necessarily disagree with you guys when it comes to reforming the welfare system. I don't. I see the dependency. I see the problem. I, I, I want to fix it as well. What I wonder, though, is if we use such inflammatory language, if that doesn't get in the way of our ability to reform, persuade well, people to our way of saying you know, things. Sometimes that's the only way John, to well, hold on. Mute, mute John. I want Gary to answer. People, let's, let's, like, mute John. Uh, let's mute John because I want Gary to answer. Go ahead, Gary. Well, Rob, I would just say, why don't you go through my 3,000 posts or go to my Facebook page, Eminent for North Dakota, and look at some of the positions I'm beginning to define as a candidate. And what I believe our government needs to be limited in is we're going so far away with the centralization, the overreach of the bureaucracy. We need to bring power back to our states. Let's begin to talk about issues that matter, what people care about, what affects their lives. Then the fact that I had, you know, 15, 20 tweets out of 3,000 that we're focusing on. I'm going to have this discussion once and then I'm done. So I'm saying bring the questions you got at me. Let's talk about them. But in the end, I'm running against Heidi Heitkamp on real issues and the fact that she is out of touch. She's a liberal she runs with Chuck Schumer, and probably her first vote she's going to have may be for Senate Majority Leader for Chuck Schumer. And I'm telling you, that is a bad day for North Dakota. It's a bad day for America. 
we're, we're, we're preaching, you're preaching to the choir, Heidi Heitkamp, but I, I, I think these other things are fair to talk about, at least for now. They're in they the are, news cycle. They are. And, I, I, and, I, I but the campaign's on. not going to hinge on this. All right. Gary, thanks for your time. We're out of it. I appreciate it. Rob, thanks. Come, I'll come on anytime. Take care. That's uh, Gary Emineth, U.S. Senate candidate. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. We'll be right back. She was touching her face. I won't be held responsible. Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDY.com. What do you think of that, Natil? That was a little hard for me to stomach. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I think any time that this is the the new the tactic the the campaign tactic the political tactic, whether it's Republican or Democrat or otherwise when you're when you're when you're confronted with with comments or actions that are inconvenient for the candidate is t- to minimize them and and then just say well let's all move on and and they all do it. Um, you know, that was Heidi Heitkamp and her surrogates for doing it when she's out high-fiving Chuck Schumer. She voted against the tax reform bill. Everybody tries to minimize those things or say that it's a nothing burger, it's fake news or whatever. I mean, that's what, Don- that's what fake news is. I mean, when Donald Trump deploys the fake news thing, that's what it is. So all politicians do this. Um, I understand people who don't want an entire U.S. Senate campaign to hinge on a couple of dozen social media posts. I understand that. Well, yeah, and I and I have empathy for Gary Emineth in this case because you know we're we're in an age now where that stuff that you put on the internet lives forever who and hasn't who hasn't at this point posted some uh, in a pit of feet in a fit of peak or in a retweeted something without even really thinking about who hasn't done that everybody I think everybody has done something that they regret online and that shame will live forever and if you run for a public office that shame is going to be found and trotted out for the entire world to see at the same time what I would what I would have much preferred to have heard was you know I posted those things at this point in my life and since then x y and z have happened and i've learned from those positions and my current positions have now evolved into a b and c yeah that to me says well some of them are some of them aren't i mean like like the calling the president a pos thing um well and, and that, not, that whatever okay not not great but i mean it's a little bit of name calling i mean if, they, if that's if that's our our litmus test uh, I, apparently nobody in the country is, is going to be qualified to hold public office. Well, yeah, um, and, and that so one I'm not so worried about. That one I'm not so worried about. It's some of the stuff that I think have practical policy considerations, like building mosques in the United States. If you believe in the First Amendment, if you believe in religious freedom, and even what Gary was saying about, you know, well, Christians have been under attack. To some degree, I think that's true. To some degree, I think that's true. Uh, but the thing is, is you can't say that well, simultaneously attacking another religion. Like, you don't get to have it both ways. Like, you don't say, well, Christians are being persecuted, but also Muslims shouldn't be allowed to build mosques. And, and Gary, I, I think Gary regrets posting that. I don't think Gary really believes that mosques shouldn't be built, but I think he's got to understand, if you want to sit in the United States Senate, we need to understand exactly where you're at on those issues because those issues are going to come up. You are going to be voting on those issues. 
Well, and he also said something about wanting to deal with the issues that are important to people. He wanted to talk about what matters. Well, for a lot of Americans, those types of issues do matter. Yeah. There are Muslim Americans that live in North Dakota. There are North Dakotans on welfare. And North Dakota is matter. home to uh, North Dakota is home to the oldest mosque in North America. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to make too huge of an issue out of it. It's not the be all and end all of the Senate campaign. Uh, I hope the outcome of the Senate election doesn't hinge on this because I think there are more important issues for it to hinge on. Uh, but this was worthy of talking about. I'm glad Gary came on. Uh, caller, John, you're on. What's up? Now, don't cut me off here, but if I responded to Mr. Emineth and said he was a lying SOB, would he know Would he know what that means? He doesn't know <laughs> what POS means. Yeah, uh, well, I, that's a fair question. I and, and again, I have a hard time believing he doesn't know what, what POS means. I, that's I mean, right. And does it, I'm not calling him a weasel because I don't want his feelings hurt. But, you know, that's weasely weasel language it is it's a a little weasley in in the in the same way democrats pretending like they don't know that heidi high camp is high five i understand but can we just say things about a political candidate once without having to go well everybody does it just i'm not saying everybody does let's just talk about gary i i i think i think i think it's ridiculous that gary emineth uh, doesn't know what POS means. I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. I think it's also ridiculous to say that Heidi Heitkamp didn't high-five Chuck Schumer. Everybody does it. That's just how people spin these things, uh, and I think they're all full of it. John, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. WDY AM 93.1 FM Hour 2 701-293-9000 We have Blair Ellis on We must have had a little last minute uh, guest change Blair Ellis from the RNC on uh, with me right now Blair, how's it going? I'm doing well, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good, happy to have you on uh, Well, we're, we're talking about um, tax reform and everything But I, I think it's hard to talk about tax reform without also talking about what happened in Washington last night. Uh, we got a budget agreement, puts us out to two years. Some not happy with it because it increases spending. Uh, and some of the criticism out there saying, well, we're increasing spending. Uh, we're cutting taxes simultaneously. What's this going to do to the national debt and the deficit? What's the answer from Republicans? All important questions. Um, you're right. We did have uh, we we were able to successfully pass a budget yesterday. It took us a little it was a little touch and go for a minute there, but uh, um, Senator Rand Paul made a point. You know, we have to get spending under control. As Republicans, we are fiscal conservatives, and, and we've got to be um, responsible and accountable with with the nation's purse strings. But to that 
other side of the coin, we also cannot put our military in jeopardy and, and shut down the government in one fell swoop. So um, needless to say, we're glad that the House and the Senate were able to pass the Bipartisan Budget Act last night. There's some really important provisions in it, including some vital disaster relief money um, for states that were hit hard by hurricanes, you know, Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico. Um, in addition to that, funding for community health centers, and, and we uh, take another blow or two at Obamacare, um, repealing those destructive independent payment advisory boards. So so lots of different good conservative things inside that budget bill that passed last night. So uh, glad to see it moved off the floor so that we can get to work on other priorities for the American people. Meanwhile, you know, we've had Congressman Kramer on the program. And, and one of the things he said when it talks about the, the tax breaks in, in relation to the national debt and deficit is um, essentially that, you know, we're, we're working off an economic baseline that needs to be updated to take into account the impact that that tax mm-hmm. reform is having. And obviously, I mean, we made some pretty significant policy changes talking about the repatriation of, of, of profits back into the United States, talking about obviously the, the, the reduction in tax burdens to corporations. And we're seeing all sorts of companies responding positively, positively to that. Um, I mean, is, is that, I mean, is that up to, is that really going to change sort of the outlook on the tax cuts when we get that update? I think so. You know, I think we're already seeing Americans are already seeing the benefits of, of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. You know, since December, more than 330 companies across the country have announced either higher wages or bonuses for employees or higher minimum wage for employees or expanded benefits. Uh, altogether, there's about 3 million Americans total that have experienced directly the benefits of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And I know there are some local companies um, in North Dakota, too, that are experiencing some pretty big breaks. MDU Resources Group, I know you tweeted about it earlier today. Um, and, and that just goes to show, you know, when you lower the corporate tax rate, companies save money and those benefits can be returned back around to the customers. And so um, in the case for, for that company, it could it could be a refund for some employees across the state or uh, maybe a change even in current and future rates. So I think that the more that we allow tax cuts and benefits that, that law to, to play out, we're going to continue to see some pretty awesome trickle-down effects for, for employers and, and uh, American consumers across the country. Yeah, and, and really talking about it, I mean, it's not, I, I think the focus obviously, because income tax comes out of our paychecks, is the payroll considerations, right? So companies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, obviously Americans getting bigger paychecks because the withholding is less. Uh, companies giving out bonuses. Company maybe expanding benefits. But there's some other benefits too. Um, you know, MDU resources, like you said, one of the benefits is they're talking about passing uh, the savings on to their customers. That comes to the, and I mean that that might mean my gas bill is going to be smaller. Um, also, we had Public totally. Service Commissioner Randy Crispin on the program. Uh, the, the Public Service Commission has asked the regulated utilities in North Dakota to come back and and essentially justify their rates again, Uh, which is to Mm -hmm. say, you know, uh, justify your rates in light of the fact that you're probably all going to be seeing pretty significant savings from the tax reform bill. Um, Now, we don't know what the outcome of that's going to be yet, but he was saying it's 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 a very real possibility that that could mean rate cuts. It's Mm -hmm. so I mean, it's not just that your paycheck's a little bit bigger. It's not just that your your employer maybe cut you a bonus. It's not just that your employer maybe expanded your benefits, uh, health benefits or vacation time or something like that more. But it's also that, that, that some of your bills might be getting a little smaller, too. That, that seems like you add all those little things together, and I know Democrats like Heidi Heitkamp kind of want you to believe that those are crumbs and they're meaningless. I don't know. I, I, when I hear all that, it, that sounds like that can have a profound impact on, on the economy. Absolutely. I think to me that shows that this law's effects are far, are more far-reaching than just a one-time bonus or a one-time pay increase or a one-time pay bump. I mean, if, if states like yours – 
are having the initiative to, to tell these companies, hey, we want you to circle back on this whole uh, payment processing and, and, and really adjust your, your system that you've got in place and the reason that you're charging us what you're charging us. To me, that's a wholesale infrastructural change within companies. And that, to me, is that's longer lasting than any one-time crumb, as Nancy Pelosi would call it, or Heidi Heidkamp might refer to it as. But these are some really sound structural changes that are going to be taking place within companies across the across the country. Uh, and, I, and I hope to see that there are more that follow suit encouraging different companies to to take a look at, at the reason that they're maybe overcharging at this point certain um, certain customers for, for bills. So totally, I think we're going to continue to see these types of effects change uh, as this bill continues to reveal its effects. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Now, I, I think Democrats have made a mistake in attacking the tax reform bill from the perspective of, uh, you know, y- your larger paycheck or your smaller utility bills or your expanded bonuses or benefits or, or what have you. Uh, those are meaningless to you. I think that that's going to fall on deaf ears. I do think, and we started off our conversation talking about this, I, I think they may have an effective strategy in talking about the possible deficit and debt. Now, we, we mentioned that that we haven't maybe seen or taken into account uh, the the economic impact of this and what that might do to tax revenues, but the election's in November. How do Republicans mm-hmm. articulate a message to say, listen, we are not being irresponsible with the debt and the deficit? Sure. You know, I think that any time that, that you have an opportunity to um, – Finally, meet the budgetary request and demands um, of Secretary of the Secretary of our Army, Secretary Mattis, and, and our generals. I think you have to really listen to them. And at this point, they've had our military's had years of underfunding, underfunding, and, and budgetary uncertainty. And the bill that we passed last night is finally fully funds our military at the levels that have been requested for a long time by by our generals. And I think that that should, that should stand for something. The fact that we're finally able to get our, our brave men and women in uniform, the resources they need to do their job safely, securely, and efficiently, um, that, that, that matters. And then when you take into effect the fact that we've also – found some permanent um, some per- permanent spending levels so that we don't have to keep coming back to this kicking the can down the road and um, and, and, and funding at a, at a couple weeks notice at a time I mean we got some conservative wins out of that budgetary uh, that bipartisan budget act from last night like I mentioned earlier disaster relief funding community health funding another blow to Obamacare um, and so I think that there's some there's some big wins in here that you have to take into account and and again when you pair this with um, you know the positive legislation that we've already put into place like tax reform uh, the jobs that we're creating in the economy that's that's moving on and moving up. Um, I think that's what people are going to remember in November. And and hopefully people remember the fact that Heidi Heidkamp chose not to vote for those tax reform benefits yeah. that you guys are experiencing right now. What what about it, it seems to me like like there's a, a, a structural change here as well where if, if, if we're getting back to a because the budget passed for two years what we've been doing are like continuing resolutions where we maybe fund the government for months or weeks mm-hmm. at a time. Now we've just actually done a budget for two years. Do you think maybe that if that gets us back to regular order, where we're all not playing brinksmanship with the budget all the time, that might allow us to, to, to govern more responsibly when it comes to the dollars and cents of the country? Totally. I think it clears the, the slate, so to speak. Now that we've got this kind of off of our plates for a little while, we can actually get back to issues that, that are bipartisan issues and that are issues that, that American people care about, not just 
you know, resolving immigration reform, which we've been working to do for the last several months, but also looking at, at ways that we can move forward with projects like infrastructure. That's been a huge priority to the president um, and, and making sure that our roads are secure, our bridges are safe, um, and that there's no potholes that people have to keep hitting on their way to and from work or to and from the farm each day. And so these are priorities now that we can shift our focus to as Republicans since we've successfully passed a two-year long-term budget deal. We've got that, that bandwidth, so to speak, to be able to shift our focus elsewhere and really get back to work. Uh, well, I tell you, Blair, that's all the time we got for today. Certainly appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. That's Blair Ellis, deputy spokeswoman for the GOP. I'm Rob Port. This is 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Uh, caller, Tom, hold on through the break. We'll get to you right after. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDY.com. You can send me tweets, too, at Rob Port. Uh, let's see. Oh, we, let's uh, let's get to the caller, Tom. Thanks for uh, holding through the break, Tom. What's up? Yeah, so, uh, Rob, what's the deal uh, with the Trump publicans now? Uh, apparently, the Republican Party's dead. Uh because what's the deal with this? Uh, uh, wait, wait, I won't borrow. Like, there's no tomorrow. Well, I, well, I, I guess they're, I guess they're doing their best impression of Democrats, Tom. But, but let me ask you. You said the Republican Party. No, no, dead. no, no, no. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, you have to go back and look at your history. You haven't even looked at your history. Who are the big spenders? Republicans every time. Oh, oh yeah, you're gonna say, true. "Oh, Obama spent a lot of money. He spent money trying to keep us from." Well, I, I think, I think, the, I think the problem. Well, Tom, well, Tom, let me respond uh, to that. Trump, during Bush's administration, well, Tom, that's Tom, when Tom, that me, stuff happened. Well, Tom, let me respond to that because I think you're, I think you're using the wrong metric. You should be looking at Republican Congresses, Congress budgets. The president may veto or sign the budget, but. Congress budget, so you can't just look. Most of Obama's term in office, oh, he, had, well, he had a Republican yeah, Congress. Yeah, get signed. We all know what everybody can. They can say, uh, "I did this. Well, I, I voted for that." It's what gets done. Well, that's what matters. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, Congress, Congress makes the budgets. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. What you want me to say about that? And, 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 that's and, always keep saying. Yeah. Well, and you know, if, if you look at it, and let's see. If, uh, Three hundred trillion dollars. I mean, excuse me, three trillion dollars added to the already what we got. Well, I don't know that those numbers are accurate, stuff. Tom. I, I I don't know Jeez. that those numbers are accurate, Tom. Well, Tom, I I know well, I know, know you just you want to come in and just five well, trillion dollars just for what he's asked for already for the wall and all this other stuff. The all right, wall. well let's let's, let's let let's let Tom go. Uh, just just in that, uh, you know, I I, I think. I, I get it that Tom hates Republicans and, and blah, 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 and, you know, that's unfortunate. I, I think, actually, if you look back in history, you know, the real part we're spending really gets out of control is when you have super majorities. Um, so when you have – you look at the early part of the Obama administration, you had a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president. Uh, we had huge increases in spending. Uh, then you looked at a divided government where you have a, a Democratic president uh, and a Republican Congress or a split Congress, you know, for, for most of the Obama term – you actually saw deficits that got down quite a bit lower. So, 
you know, even b- both parties like to spend. Democrats like to spend more than Republicans. But both of them, when they have super majorities, they spend a lot. Sometimes I think our best bet is divided government. But anyway, uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Let's roll through some of these emails. Uh, Dave emails uh, talking about our interview with Gary Emineth last hour. Uh, says, hi, Rob. I am a right-leaning independent. But it is an indictment of the North Dakota Republican Party if someone like Gary Emmerich was put on the ballot against Heitkamp. Sadly, he may get the nomination from the North Dakota Republicans, but he does not deserve to be in the United States Senate. I'm not defending. I am not defending uh, Gary Emmerich's social media postings. I think he needs to answer for them. Uh, I think he did on this program. I hope he continues to answer those questions. But um, I don't know that the Senate campaign should hinge on this. Uh, let's see. Another emailer says these callers sound like plants. I guess the callers during Gary, Gary, whenever Gary comes on, it always seems like the first couple of callers are very, very pro Gary. I don't know if you've noticed that trend, Natil. I maybe have noticed that. Make of that what you will. Uh, another emailer, Monty says, uh, Christians are the ones really under attack. Heidi is behind it all. Own your posts and reposts. You created this noise. You did call for no mosques. You did compare Snap users to animals. Stand up and own it. Stop making excuses. Um, yeah, I mean, I Strong think that's words. fair. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Hike Camp campaign maybe maybe uh, pitched this story to, to the national media. That wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Tom Campbell campaign pitched it. Um, and that is what it is. But at the end of the day, who wrote the posts? Who retweeted the tweets? You know, that was Gary Eminem. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I in, in, in the Trump age, it just doesn't seem like people care as much. I still care about this stuff. I think conservatives should speak in a way that persuade people to come to conservatives. Now, I, maybe that makes me a rhino or, or a, a closet liberal or any of the other things I get called sometimes when I'm not being attacked by, as a right-wing extremist by my friends on the left. Um, I don't know. I, I, I believe, I think politics is still the art of persuasion, not imposing your point of view on, on the other side. And I think our country would be a lot more tranquil. I think we'd be a lot more prosperous. I think we'd be a lot better off if we were trying to persuade each other instead of trying to beat each other over the head with our positions. So, uh, you know, I, I am not a fan of intemperate social media posting. Uh, although I, I maybe have been guilty of it once or twice in the past. I feel. I, and again, we, we mentioned this um, after Gary's interview. I think we've all done stupid things on the Internet. Sure. I think we have all posted things that, you know, in a fit of strong emotion, whether that's you know, anger or sadness or perhaps even elation. Yeah, we, we've done and said some stupid things and the Internet never forgets. So a, a skill that I have had to learn over 15 years of running a blog uh, going on 15 years of running a blog is uh, a little bit of self-restraint. I mean, I've, I've, I've essentially have a platform where I can write things that will immediately you know, be read by, you know, tens of thousands of people. Sometimes it's, you know, you gotta be, that's a powerful thing to have. Uh, you know, and so it's, it's sometimes a little bit of circum being a little circumspect about what you post. And now people have it with Twitter, with Facebook. I mean, you could reach a big audience. It's, it's worthwhile being a little circumspect about the things that, that you write. Uh, let's see another emailer, Linda, uh, Mr. Port, why do you worry about where a candidate stands 
Why do you worry about where a candidate stands on an issue prior to their being elected to an office? Miss Heidi Heitkamp is a per- per- perfect example of once they get there, they do something completely the opposite. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, with Gary Evans, what else are we supposed to measure? You know, and, and honestly, I, I think the things that they say before they become politicians are probably more indicative of what they actually believe than the things they say and do once they're in office. Um, you know, so that's that's uh, you know, I I, I think that's important. I, I I think if you went back and you found some of the things Heidi Heitkamp and granted before she was in the Senate, that was prior to 2012, a much probably different social media was around, but not in the way maybe it is today. Um. I think if you went back there, you'd probably find some things that she wouldn't necessarily endorse if she was a senator. I don't know if it's anything as, as inflammatory as what Gary Emmett posted, but I think that those things would probably be more reflective of what she actually believes than the things she says and does as, as a United States senator. Because I think once these people start running for office, once they're in office and want to maintain office, I think every decision they make is seen through that lens. Republican, Democrat, I think that's how they all are. It's all about staying in power. I think that's how it is for them to deal. Which is why it's going to become a lot harder for us to elect officials in the future if if this is the kind of thing that we're going to be focusing in on. It's th- There's going to be a hump that we have to get over. Because for, for a politician like Heidi Heidkamp, those, those types of inflammatory internet postings don't exist to the same extent that they might for somebody who's running for office in 2020. Or 2022. So we're going to yeah. we're, we're going to have to as a nation figure out whether or not those types like the things that someone has said before they decided to run for office are very important or if they are not very important. And I agree with you in that they are probably a lot more indicative of their truest beliefs than what they might say out on the campaign yeah. trail. And, and and again, even there, we do have to temper it by saying that a lot of people are very flippant on social media, and a lot of people write things in the heat of the moment that maybe they don't mean, as maybe in any instance where you're just you're mad at somebody or you're just on there and, and something strikes you as funny, and maybe in, circ- in retrospect, it's not as funny as you thought. So I, I don't know. It's it's much complicated. A lot of the dynamics around this are changing, but... Uh, and I'm, I'm glad Gary addressed it. Um, you know, I guess he's kind of he's saying he regrets some of it, but he's also kind of saying, so what? Um, so I guess that's where we're at with it. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It is what it is. And I guess voters can vote accordingly, depending on how bothered they are by it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, really, it's just it's just it's got to be up to the voters. We reveal this stuff. We talk about this stuff and the voters decide how important this is to them. To some, it's going to be important. To others, I think what's going to happen is is the, the people who are really the most upset about this are probably people who weren't voting for Gary Emmeneth in the first place. And I think the people who aren't that upset about it are probably going to be the people who are inclined to vote for Gary Emmeneth as they were inclined to vote for Donald Trump. Ultimately, I don't think this is going to hurt him that much. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. Until I'm still getting Rob Porter's tweets. 
<laughs> I just got one from a lady. Well, I can't even read. I can't even read this lady's Twitter handle on the air. Oh, geez. Suffice it to say that it is a word for the female anatomy that starts with the letter P. Ah. Uh, I um. Yeah, I I can't right. I can't say that on no, air. No, you can't say that on air. All right. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, lady. <clears throat> you know what, power? Uh, I am not Rob Porter. I am just Rob Port. Just, just there's just one port, and uh, the the sooner Rob Porter could get out of the news headlines, uh, I would I would sure appreciate that because I'm really tired of getting his tweets at this well, point. Speaking of news headlines, let's get started with what's in the headlines today. We're going to start with Duluth. Duluth schools are removing Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird from yeah. their required curriculum. Uh, yeah, they should all be fired. Really? This is this is stupid. And and uh, listen. If they were removing them from the curriculum because they have been surpassed by other works of literature, then fine, right? I, I, I don't know. Just because a piece of literature is maybe relevant for one generation doesn't mean that it's always going to be relevant for all time, right? I, I get that. You know, over time, the books that we teach, the literature that we teach is going to evolve, okay? I understand that. Um, and so if it, was, if it was a decision being made based on, we want to go in this direction or, or, or that direction or some some pedagogical reasoning, then fine. But they're basically banning these books because they use words that are not politically correct. And I think it's ridiculous. Well, what they're saying is that the the books themselves are making a lot of the students feel uncomfortable. So no, what? No, just hear me out here. What it sounds like is that imagine imagine you're teaching a group of middle to high school students and this word comes up and suddenly no one in the class is able to have a discussion about the actual text or the things happening in the text because everything has been derailed because of one word. Why would it not be smart in those cases to swap that text out? with a text that deals with similar issues while not using a single word that can derail an entire classroom for more than one class period. Because the point of the story for, like, the, the point of to kill, a, to kill a Mockingbird is not about the use of that word. It's about right. a Depression-era lawyer who's defending... Neither is Huck Finn, Well, no, but it's, it's... To Kill a Mockingbird is about a Depression-era lawyer who is in a small-town setting defending a black man falsely accused of raping a white woman. Right. There have to be other texts that deal with a similar scenario that still deal with the difference between the way that black men and how, how white are you, men How are you going to deal with a racial issue without dealing with racial epithets? Why can't you deal with the racial issue without going through... That what, particular well, well, we don't we don't want to understand how bigots talk. No, we absolutely want to understand how bigots talk. We absolutely that's a word that they use. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Uh, this this case, is my but problem. Of, but in the case of the Mark Twain book, it's not even being used by bigots because Huck no. Finn uses that. But that's word. the way they talk. That's I the know way they that's talk. the way they talked, but it's not. It's the authentic. Way, it's not the way we talk now. 
So? So modernize the curriculum. I don't want to modernize it. I, I, want, I, want, I want these works of literature to be reflective of the times that they're in. And I want when people read the literature of these eras, I, want, I don't want it to be sanitized. The, I don't want to remove this stuff from people's view. I'm not. I'm, nobody's asking it to be removed from view. They're not removing it from the We're library. They're taking it out of the curriculum. They're taking it out of the curriculum. They're taking it out of the curriculum, not and the library. And you're saying that that's, that's not a blow to the prominence of these works. I really don't think it is. I think it is. We didn't read I, To Kill a Mockingbird when I was in school. We well, read I, and, and, again, I, and again, if, that, if that's a choice made on curriculum because your teacher thinks that there's another work of literature he or she would rather focus on than, than To Kill a Mockingbird, then fine. I mean, if, if there's some pedagogical, but don't do it because, oh, these words are icky. Well, those words exist. Uh, in those particular works of literature, they're used in a way that are accurate portrayals of the setting that the stories were in. They are products of their times, and I don't think we should shy away from that. I think it's I think it is dangerous as a culture to go back and whitewash this stuff. And I think that's what this is. Maybe not entirely. They're not banning the book outright and taking it out of the library, so I guess they deserve some credit for that. But this is this is cultural whitewashing. And I don't think this leads down to any place we want to go. I don't know. I think if they're gonna modern I think modernizing the curriculum is not a bad thing. I I, th- I think what it does, it tells students that they have to be scared of they have to be scared of certain words, and I, I don't I, I don't think if if anything I I, th- I think you're now empowering these words even more. You're making them more even more taboo. You're making them even more you know mysterious. I don't think it's about making them it, out. I don't think it's about making them mysterious, but you, you don't want to you also don't want to end up encouraging a group of high school students to start throwing that word around willy nilly. How about we teach high school students what that word means? What it is, what its history is, how insensitive it is to use it. If some of them, like a bunch of juveniles, start throwing it around, well, then okay, they're juveniles. I would rather deal with that problem than the problem of of whitewashing our history, whitewash, a part of which our history is American literature. So I, I don't know. I, I would rather deal with the problem with, with a bunch of juveniles throwing that word around stupidly uh, than, than whitewashing our culture. Caller, Thomas, you're up. Well, I, I agree with you uh, most part of it, I think. And it's like if you were going to take any words from, let's say, uh, JFK, ask not what your country can do for you and what you can do for your country, if you take that out of context or change it around, maybe it makes it a totally, uh, you know, something totally wrong, like the Republicans did a few years back. All right. Thank, thanks, thanks for the call, Thomas. Appreciate it. Tony, you're up next. Hey, good afternoon. Good show, guys. Great topic. And, Nikhil, I kind of agree with you, but you said also at the same time that it's the way we talk or it's the way they talked back then. Um, but what about who's that Shakespeare? We don't talk like that anymore, nor does any other culture. So why don't we get rid of that, the way they talk? Yeah, I think that's a I bit mean, of a, well, a bit of a different scenario. I mean, we also we don't well, use a lot. I don't, of I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I don't think I don't think there was ever an era where people spoke in iambic pentameter. I, I, <laughs> No, I'm just saying if we're changing the way, if we're taking it out of the curriculum, and by the way, I thought they were going to remove it from the library. No, they the are not the year, removing they're just it. They're taking it out of the curriculum right now. They're not but removing it from the library. They're from the library as well, I thought. Not as far as the article that I that I read from the Star Tribune said. I just, okay. I th- 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 think, th- we can't use th- the argument, though, that it's just it's the way um, we don't talk like that anymore. Well, we don't talk like Shakespeare anymore, neither. So that's not a valid argument. Yeah, Tony. Thanks. Thanks for the call. I, I don't know. I I think you know until I am in. I 
I think America should lean into our ugly history. Well, and I'm not I'm not we, disagreeing with you on that. Like if it were my classroom, if I had if I were teaching a class and that was part of my curriculum, I would confront the issue, but not every teacher is equipped to do that. Well, then maybe they shouldn't be teaching if they're not equipped to do that. If you're not equipped to teach to kill a mockingbird, maybe you shouldn't be teaching. I don't know. If you're not equipped to teach Huckleberry Finn, maybe you shouldn't be teaching. I I, I just I, I I struggle with the idea that that we're doing this stuff. Um, I mean, this is this is two steps away from book burning. You know, I mean, this is where it starts, and it it ticks me off, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when conservatives do it. I hate it when liberals do it. It's wrong. It is wrong. To Kill a Mockingbird is a great work of literature. Huckleberry Finn is a great work of literature. They are being diminished, and that is it, 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 for the wrong reasons, for the absolute wrong reasons. But we've got more stories to hit, so let's keep moving. <laughs> All right. Uh, Trump and Kim thrown out of opening ceremonies at Olympics. Not actually Trump and okay, Kim Jong-un. I, 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 I will point that out. Uh, I'm pretty were, sure Trump's not over there, and if he was, I'm pretty sure he's not palling around with Kim Jong-un. And Kim Jong-un is not there either. Um, I believe his sister, this, it, there's, a, there's a family member from the Kim family that is there, which is very right. impressive. But um, there were a couple of impersonators of Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un uh, that caused a commotion when they appeared up in the stands at the Olympics opening ceremonies. I just um, looked it up. I, I just looked it up. They're pretty good impersonators. They really are. The, the Trump impersonator, <laughs> not so much. The Kim impersonator, spot on. I, uh, boy, that would have been something to see. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, a News Corp CEO rails at dysfunctional online environments. News Corp's chief executive yesterday took a swipe at Google and Facebook for fostering a dysfunctional and debased online environment, which harms the news media and responsible journalism. All right, all right. So I, I have a, I have a theory about this. I think what's gone wrong on the internet is we have begun, we've turned it into a direct democracy, right? Where, where the, the, the stories that are important are reflect, reflective of sort of what the masses want. And it turns out what the masses want are a bunch of like cat photos and stupid memes, maybe about not building mosques in America. <clears throat> Gary Amanath. Uh, Did you just call them memes? It's memes. Memes, memes, memes. I, I know. I, I called them memes because I never heard anybody say memes outside. And now I, I know how it's pronounced. I just say it wrong sometimes. It's memes. All right. Uh, I, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's the internet is direct democracy, right? I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's just, it's the masses deciding what they want to read. And so services like Facebook and Twitter and all the rest have algorithms that are designed to reward that popularity. And what it's turning out is things that are popular are also stupid or bigoted or inaccurate. You know, I so so that's that's the problem. I I, I, I and I oppose that for the same reason that I oppose initiated measures. I think I think using direct democracy to make public policy is a stupid way to make public policy. For the same reason that it's a stupid way to decide what's what should and should not be news. I think there should be an element in it. Just like America is not a direct democracy. We elect representatives, and then the representatives make the law. I like that. And I, I'm thinking we need to start maybe putting some safeguards in uh, to ensure that, you know, the, the news that we're getting. And the problem is, is who gets who gets to be the safeguards? I don't know. But um, I, I, don't, I don't think we should leave public policy up to the Wild West, and I'm not so sure we should be leaving 
uh, journalism up to the Wild West either, says says the blogger. I'm sorry, what? I was too busy looking at cat memes on my phone. Cat memes on your phone, yeah. Uh, I, so I Yeah, I think he's got a point. It's just these services. I, I, I think what we need is more curation. We need, we need more curation in the news media. I, I think that's true. And I, I think we're going to sh- see a shift back from just going wild over whatever's trending on Facebook or whatever. I think we're going to start to see a shift back to traditional media. I think people are going to start to yearn for publications that will put in the work, fact check, and, and, and produce good content. I, I think that shift is coming. Maybe maybe that's a pipe dream. I think it's coming. All right. We got one last headline real quick. Um, sort of tying into our talk that we had with uh, Blair when she was on Blair Ellis. CBS is the next company that's planning to hike wages and introduce some paid parental leave with the windfall they've received as a company from the new tax law. Great. Great. And every news story about this coming out, it hurts Democrats. Hourly every em- every. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to. Uh, hourly, no, employee, no. hourly employees are going from $9 an hour to $11 an hour, and they are going to be adjusting pay rate for uh, their full-time employees as well who are paid on salary, as well as introducing this paid parental leave, which is great. Apparently, they saw really good, better-than-expected fourth-quarter results in their earnings. So, And CVS yeah. is a big company now. They're yeah. everywhere. Did you, know, did you know CVS owned the Yankees at one point? No, I did not. Yeah, they did. Uh, no, it's great. Every every time you know we get some of this, I think the economic impact's going to be profound. Um, I don't know that it's going to be profound enough for the tax cuts to pay for themselves, but I think a lot of the numbers we're getting seen thrown around on on the debt and deficit right now. I think I think those are going to have to be adjusted to to account for the economic impact of the tax reform, uh, and also politically. I think the tax reform bill is going to hurt Democrats. It's going to make it less likely that they're going to make gains in the midterms. But it won't be the only factor, so we'll see. All right, Natale, let's wrap it up. All right, you're listening to AM 970 WDAY 93.1 FM. This is The Rob Report. And that's The Rundown. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Jay Thomas Show, coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned for that. Uh, during the rundown, we were talking about uh, this Duluth. Was it just a school or was it the school district? Oh, now you caught me. I, I caught you. I, I anyway. Think I think it's the district. Okay. school. Anyway. It is the district. Uh, okay. So school district in Duluth. Uh, taking Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird out of their out of their curriculum, still in the libraries. Important important point to remember. But because of some of the the, the strong racial language, obviously there's some racial epithets in those books that are a product of their times. Uh, emailer says, uh, "How about in Little House on the Prairie? In how about in the Little House on the Prairie series? I cannot recall which book where the men from the town dressed up in blackface and imitated quote blackies." or the reference to Native Americans uh, that, that could be viewed as derogatory. I believe it gives insight on how we have grown as a country. I mean, that, that's part of the point that I'm making. I mean, if, 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 if you're going to hold To Kill a Mockingbird and Huckleberry Finn to this standard, then how can we have any work of literature that accurately portrays those times? I mean, racial bigotry, a casual bigotry was a part of that, those eras. It's it's unfortunate. 
and you, I, I think we should be able to write about it and, and teach those writings to students without endorsing it. And we're not endorsing it by doing so. And I, I think when you pull them out of the curriculum because of that language, that's what you're saying is that we can't teach those things. And so you're going to, I mean, it's going to become less, people are going to be less likely to write about those things. And that will hurt us as a society. Caller, Stan, you're up. Well, my question is, like you started to allude there, if we whitewash our whole past, how are the kids, the next generation, that are generation after that, going to learn from our mistakes or our founding father's mistakes? Right. Yeah, that's a good question, Stan. Thanks for the call. Uh, you know, until that, that's the point. That I'm making. I mean, what's 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 the the cliche, the saying? We're doomed to repeat the history we don't learn from. Well, this is, isn't this it? This is the history. Why don't we want to learn from it? I'm not. I'm not arguing with you on that. I think that it's important to learn from that history. I just don't necessarily see a problem with up with modernizing literature curriculums. Well, I don't have a problem with modernizing it if you're saying, you know, we're going to pick this work over that work because this work is more relevant today or whatever. We could have a debate about that. But if it's for those reasons, well, then fine. I don't think that's controversial at all. To me, what struck me is it's just because they use these words. Well, any I would think that any work of literature that is going to talk about, uh, you know, pre-Civil War America or is going to talk about, you know, the Civil Rights era – in, in Southern, it's probably going to have to make reference to the fact that racial epithets were used. Racism was common. Bigotry was common. It just frustrates me that it's always it's always literature teachers or English teachers that get thrown under the bus in this because they're the ones that have to make those decisions. We never talk about history teachers who don't deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Nobody throws well, a history teacher under the bus because they don't talk about the use of the N-word. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, and I, it's probably because people, that, and I think literature is hugely important. Um, literature is a part of our history. Um, but it's, I, I don't know, it's frustrating. Uh, let's see, Dave emailed in, talk, again, talking about our Gary Eminent interview earlier in the program. He emails in, uh, hey, Rob, I think the true Gary came out when you asked him about religious freedoms, and more than once he said he believed in freedom for Christians. Um, I don't know if I heard him say exactly that, but... I mean, to me, that that's the concern. I mean, he started talking about how, how Christians are a persecuted religion. I don't necessarily, I you know, we could probably have a debate about the degree. I don't necessarily disagree with him. Um, on the flip side, I don't think you get to complain about that, and and while also posting memes about how you don't want to build mosques in the United States, like you can't, you don't get to have it both ways. Either you're for religious freedom or you're not. Um. You know, the same with freedom of speech. You don't get to say, well, I believe in freedom of speech, but this speech that really makes me angry or this speech that's really inflammatory or provocative, I don't want to allow that speech. You can't do that. And that's why the people say, well, hate speech isn't free speech. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And also, hate speech that's part of a work of literature should also be free. And I don't, I don't think, I just... I don't think kids are going to grow. I don't think they're going to learn if we're hiding that stuff from them. And if so we'll say, well, you're not hiding it from me. You're putting it in the library. How, how less likely is it that these books are going to be read if they're not part of the curriculum, but they're just in the library? That's, that's, I just, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand why we're doing this to our kids. I don't know why we're doing our, it to our country. I, I, don't think, I don't think we have anything to gain by being afraid to lean in 
to the ugly parts of our history, whether they're portrayed in the actual history books or they're portrayed in literature or in art or in music. I don't think we have anything to gain from that at all. As you can tell, until this stuff really upsets me. I can tell. I tend to be a little bit of an absolutist. I, I don't like shying away from inconvenient truths. I, I don't like shying away. I love this country. I love everything that it aspires to be. But I don't want to ever stop talking about in any venue, in any way, when our country has failed to live up to what it aspires to be. Because I think the longer, I think if we could talk about those things and we can have an honest discussion about those things, I think it makes it easier to, to meet those aspirations going forward. There's just there's just no two ways about it. So again, I don't have a problem with them making decisions about books that are based on, you know, pedagogical inclinations. Just don't tell me, oh, this this word it makes the kids uncomfortable. Too bad. Lots of stuff in the world's going to make these kids uncomfortable. They better get used to it. Jay Thomas Show, coming up next. This is the Rob Report. You can catch me 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again.